forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I love bananas. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual, icon, wink, and I love Succession, which we were just talking about. We were also talking about bananas. We were. I also love bananas, obviously. I think now that I consistently run out of things to say at the top of the show, I'm just going to list all the fruit that I like. Am I the number one fruit that you like? Do you get it? I'm quitting the show. No! (laughs) This is my final episode. (laughs) This is my farewell song. Is Allison's swan song. Is there anything that you want to say before you go? Adopt, don't shop. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You win an award. You win an Oscar. And you're like giving your speech and you're like, adopt, don't shop. And then you just walk off. Yeah, that's it. That's going to be my next tattoo. (laughs) Wow, whatever I thought you were going to say, it was not that. You got like the death sentence in for life and you're like about to get executed and they're like, do you have any last words? And you just say, adopt, don't shop. What did I do? Or am I innocent? No, someone was abusing a dog and you killed him. Oh, I shouldn't go to jail for that. No, honestly. I, th- well, the thing is, is that Pete, that you did go to jail because it was illegal, but you were so celebrated that they put you on the quarter. They got rid of George Washington. And they but put they, still, you on. they still killed me? Yeah, they did kill you. But they put you on, your face is on the quarter. So, I mean, do you think you've lived a, a life well led? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Other side of the quarter. No more eagle. Picture of the dog you saved. This is very confusing that they then also killed me. <laughs> but the dog lived. And he's the vice president now. See, I should have quit earlier when I said I was quitting. <laughs> That's the mistake that I made is staying or sticking around for that. Okay, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal, brutal honesty. What's not funny about a quarter? They issued the new quarter and the one side is Allison and the other side is a Cocker Spaniel who's also vice president. I'm not against a vice president dog. There are dogs that are mayors, if you look I into know, that. I know, but what sucks is like they're doing all the work and the, who's getting the mayor salary? Probably their owner. Well, but the owner maybe is getting them a lot of toys. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we have got quite the episode for all of you today. Yeah, this week we're going to be asking Brittany Abad some tough questions about being a tattoo artist. You might know them from Instagram, Vlad underscore one. Their art is incredible. But if you have a needle phobia, uh, like our producer, Melissa, you might want to skip the interview. Melissa peaced out for a bit. Totally. Yeah. We get into some some skin stuff. (laughs) Some penetration of skin. And well, if you don't like needles, don't listen. And later we'll be talking all about democracy. What does that even mean? And is America actually one of them? But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. Got to. Got to. And you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Sarah, Isle of Man. Ugh. I love it. I'm going to have to be vulnerable with you guys. 
I had to look up what? if Isle of Man was a real place. <laughs> it is a real place. I know, but I, I, and I thought, yes, but I also for a second was like, maybe they're just being very clever. The Isle of Man had an amazing music festival uh, way, way, way back in the day. And they're like, it's a really cool place for like folk music. Anyway, that's just a tidbit that I know from my dad. <laughs> okay, so Sarah says, Hi, Allison and Gabby. I'm Sarah Sheher from the Isle of Man. TLDR. I'm not sure how to feel about my boyfriend being friends with multiple of his exes. Should I feel mad because that's what I'm told to feel? Or should I not care at all and just trust him? For some background information, I've been single my whole life besides some flings because I've wanted to be. Never had any interest in dating or relationships. But earlier this year, a guy from my work asked me to lunch. And... As he's hot as fuck, I said yes. And we went on a few <laughs> dates. And a few months later, we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. And I'm super happy. And I really like him and can see it getting serious. He has a big friend group where there's both boys and girls. And I become a part of this group. And I really love it and feel comfortable. He mentioned to me once that one of the girls in the group he had a short relationship with last year. That was more like a summer fling. I didn't know how to feel at first. And I brushed it off as I didn't think it was a big deal. As they were well over before he even started talking to me. And he didn't seem to talk about her in a way that would make me jealous then a few weeks later he mentioned that he was going to see one of his friends as he was worried about her and she seemed down lately which i thought was nice of him as he is usually super caring of the people around him he then disclosed that she was his ex a different girl to the one in the friendship group from about six years ago when he was about 20 i didn't really know what to say and i just laughed awkwardly he told me that if it made me feel uncomfortable, that I can tell him and he doesn't have to go. And I still don't know what to say as I don't know how I feel. I asked him a few questions about her and how it ended. She has kids from a previous relationship. And because of that, they broke things off naturally with no hard feelings. He mentioned that he had kept her in her life because she meant a lot to him as she helped him through a hard time previously. So he wants to also be there for her too. I also know they message semi-regularly on Instagram and I am so confused. I don't know if half of me is worried that because he once had feelings for her, he could develop them again, or if it is even his responsibility anymore to check up on her. I know if I told this story to some of my friends, they'd be like, what the fuck, Sarah? Your boyfriend goes to visit his ex to check up on her? That's so fucked up. Dump him quickly. I also know that one of my friends said to me that I'd be the one telling them to break up with her BF. But I feel like the situation is more nuanced than that. And I also just trust him completely. He asked if I would be okay with it. And I said yes in the moment. But I keep thinking about it because I feel like I should be worried and annoyed. So every time I see her name on his phone, I just want to know what they're talking about. And I'm worried it's making me jealous. I don't know if it's because I'm 24 and have no serious relationship until now. I just don't know what is acceptable and what's not. But I don't know how to feel. Please help. P.S. I absolutely love you both. And the dynamic between you two reminds me of me and my best friend. Apart from that, we're both bi-cons, wink. And you have provided a lot of comfort to me. I feel like I'm listening to my buddies just talking about interesting things. And it makes me feel less lonely sometimes. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Hmm. Well, I feel we might have different perspectives because I know for you, exes are very off limits, right? It's interesting because I don't care about new people. I don't care about like malmeaning someone new. And I do get jealous of exes. I do also wonder too, if it is something where you've never dated someone seriously, this listener, so you don't have a, a comparable relationship to like compare it to. It's also hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes where like, I know that my friendship with my ex from around the same time period that Mal is friends with their ex from, I know that that person treated Mal poorly, so I don't like them. 
the ex that I'm friends with, I actually treated him poorly. So our friendship is like different to me where I'm like, this is fine because I'm the villain. But like you, but like you being friends with this ex, she's the villain to you, Mm -hmm. which now makes his wife's reticence towards me completely understandable. (laughs) Like it's really individual. The thing that really jumped out at me was how often they were saying the word should, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting to not feel something and then feel like you should feel it. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's so wonderful that your instinct is to feel like it's okay. And I also think that your partner handled this in a really respectful way in that he Mm -hmm. told you the history of the relationship. And he also asked permission, right? He wasn't like, I'm Mm -hmm. going to see my ex. That's what's happening regardless of your feelings about it. I think it was incredibly respectful that he gave you the option to say, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. And the fact that you also Mm -hmm. say that you trust him completely i'm not really seeing any problems with this you know like yeah i mean i think there's the thing from friends right where friends of she's worried that friends of hers would would say you gotta dump him immediately this is unacceptable and so there's a lot of like outside influences and probably a lot of media and a lot of magazines and a lot of stuff being like "Uh uh-uh girlfriend like red flag no no or whatever (laughs) this is my impression of (laughs) this is my impression of straight women Uh uh-uh dump his ass yeah i said that four times yesterday (laughs) to different people (laughs) i feel like straight women just hang out and tell each other to dump the person they're with that's my opinion (laughs) and then nobody actually dumps the person they're with that's my assessment of straight women anyway so i feel like you think that you should worry about this thing that like you weren't worrying about and then it made you worry about it and like everybody's different I also think that what you said about your your partner that he is a very caring person so it's not like this is so out of character for him right it's not like Mm -hmm. oh he's a terrible friend to all of his regular friends but then he's like an exceptional friend to his ex that would be a little weird right have you ever experienced that Allison uh, yes. <laughs> Did you ever date anyone who was exactly like that? Uh, yes. Well, you know, so with with my ex, who Gabby is clearly talking about, you know, a big issue was he he didn't he prioritized his exes over me rather consistently. So that's a problem, right? But if you feel cared for, you feel loved, you feel like your dynamic is great and healthy, and this is a person who is clearly a caring individual who is a support system to other people in addition to you and his ex. And this is more just his nature to like be there for the people he cares about. And I think it's totally fine. And I, I think it's a statement again, that you trust him and that like you're able to see the nuance in life and in relationships and six years is like a lifetime, especially in your twenties. And so, Oh, I know I have to imagine that the dynamic they have now is so far removed from the dynamic they had when they were dating. Yeah. I give it my, my seal of approval. <laughs> you know, like, obviously, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, like your partner could go out and meet somebody at the grocery store, like you can't control all potential disastrous outcomes. Yeah. And if he's dealing with this respectfully, you feel respected, you maybe you want to meet this girl, maybe that would help too. that like, for you to have your own relationship with her mm-hmm. to put a face to a name just so like you know that she knows that the same you're... way with that fling with the other girl yeah like so that she knows that you're a real part of his life but it's also this thing of like even if she wanted something to happen the the ex like it takes two to tango right so if you trust your partner right. i'm really not worried there's also 
boundaries you can set. Like when I was dating someone new when Mal and I were dating. So, I mean, maybe more than a year ago, it was like, if he texts you while we're laying in bed next to each other, watching TV, you can't control when this person's going to text you, but can you not write back? Mm -hmm. Like there was like a boundary of like, can you not write back sitting next to me? And like, I think like if you're like looking at, you know, her texts to him, I don't think it's crazy to be like, is it possible to not respond to her when we're together? Is that okay? Yeah, I think it's also feeling like you're the priority. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that can look a couple different ways. But figuring out what you need to, you know, what dynamic makes you feel like the priority. And, you know, the fact that like, if he's not defensive about this, like if you can say, Mm -hmm. hey, I feel like I'm totally cool with you, like being friends with her. But like you guys talking every single day is is a little much for me. See Mm -hmm. how he reacts to that. If he's like, oh, totally, mm-hmm. like, I'll tone it back. Like, I'll keep her in my life, but we don't need to talk as often. You know, like, people's responses to things tell you a lot. So as long as he mm-hmm. is, like, being respectful of you throughout this process, I, I think, like, this outside expectation of, like, this is objectively bad. This is objectively a red flag. I don't think that that's mm-hmm. true in this situation. It's hard for me sometimes with this person that Mal is still super close with because they are the root of a lot of Mal's problems. And Mal's like, but they're not that person anymore. Mm. And I'm like, I know they're not. But I also know that anytime something bad happens, you remember something bad this person did to you. So I feel like I don't have to like her and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And... With the ex that I'm still super close with, I at first was like, it was so long ago. Like, who even cares? Like, I don't know why the wife has any feelings about it at all. And then now I'm like, oh, of course, like she does. Because to her, I'm still the 20-year-old, 21-year-old who was like, you know, a complete disaster to her husband. Like, mm-hmm. she's with him every day. She sees the repercussions of of my uh, behaviors. And even if it wasn't like, I mean, again, my behaviors were very minimal. My behaviors were like not liking him back in the way that he, you know what I mean? But like, I think like it really just depends on the relationship. You can't just be like talking to any ex is terrible, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And again, like I, I would always be a little wary of, of forcing yourself to feel a certain way to fit in with societal expectations. Mm -hmm. You don't need Mm -hmm. to do that. You can be, you know, the fact that you don't feel worried is a wonderful sign. Don't force worry on yourself about something. Yeah. I just think the, there's a brand of feminism that is like the default is that the guy is up to something. Mm -hmm. And I think we got to, we went too far and we got to rein it back in. That's my guess. Speaking as someone who has screamed about men on the show, <laughs> as a nuanced little hot take from me, you know, this this like empowering of like and and there should be no room for nuance for that person. It's like, all right, enough. That's growth, baby. That's called growth. <laughs> and I think it causes this thing where women are pitted against each other. Why are you a natural enemy to that man's ex from six years ago? Maybe he sucks. Maybe she's supposed to be your best friend. I would get to know her. Maybe you're meeting your best friend right now. (laughs) (laughs) I would get to know her. I think that might help too. But don't cause a problem that isn't naturally there, I think. There's enough stuff you're going to worry about. (laughs) I know. I will say sometimes it's like exes do this thing where they're like, sorry, it's an inside joke. And if if that happens from either him or her, you should kill them. (laughs) 
Oh my God. And we're back to old school Gabby. <laughs> if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Brittany Abad. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, our guest is Brittany Avad, a.k.a. I don't know how you say it. B-L-A-A-B-A-D. I follow <laughs> them on Instagram. They are an incredibly talented artist and tattooist located in Portland. We're going to talk about what their tattoos are about. But yeah, thank you so much for coming. I'm like longtime Instagram fan, first time caller. Oh yeah, thank <laughs> you for uh, inviting me. I'm super excited. This will be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gabby and I are both uh, tattoo lovers. We both have tattoos. We love the art form. And I feel like I know so little about it, though. So I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you. I guess my first question is like, how do you become a tattoo artist? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's like a different route for that for everybody kind of depends on what state you're in. Um, Mm. I'm from California, but I didn't know until I moved to Portland that in Oregon, there's this thing called tattoo school that you have to go to um, in order to become a licensed tattoo artist, which is kind of sucky because it's kind of just like classic school money scheme doesn't mm-hmm. really teach you a lot but the standards for like sanitation cleanliness skin health and stuff like that is really really high so yeah it's super interesting I ended up going to tattoo school once I moved here I think I was here for like two months just drawing and working at a job that I took from San Francisco and I had no friends because I moved to a new place and I didn't know anybody so I started drawing a lot and then a tattoo artist hit me up and was like hey like you should look into starting the tattoo and then told me about the school system. And then I was like, okay. And then I quit my job and started tattooing. So it's very on a whim. (laughs) Wow. It's awesome that a lot of people are just really good artists. And then one day someone's like, why don't you put your art on a body? And you're like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. When I was learning, one of my mentors said there's a difference between tattoo artists and then artists that tattoo. And I like that distinction. You know, there's people who get into tattooing because they want to live that like tattooer lifestyle but then there's artists who are like oh maybe this would be cool if it were permanent and then they just transition into that medium so oh wow yeah so did you already have tattoos when you decided to become a tattooist or I had like two tattoos and they were all like under clothes because the company that I used to work at is called Natera. It's like where Genentech used to be, but they had a no visible tattoo policy. So I was just like secret fan, just kept it under wraps until I moved here, got my tattooing license and then got covered like very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) How long was school? It's supposed to be like six months to a year, depending on if you go like part-time or full-time, but it's all hours based. So just depends on how many tattoos you can do, how quickly you can get through it. Um, I think I was in it for like two months okay. before I got licensed. So kind of had to jam through it. <laughs> what are you tattooing? Like fake skin and then real skin? Like how does it work? So we had the option to start with like fake skin. But one of my friends who's a professional tattooer told me that it's not great for learning because it's very, very different. So my first three tattoos, I just did on myself. (laughs) I was like, it'll be good to know how it feels when I tattoo. 
And then after that, I just started tattooing uh, people from Instagram who like found my stuff and booked with me. So wow, it's very scary. <laughs> was it expensive to go to the school? Uh, yeah. So they all range from like seven grand to twelve grand. Wow. Um, the one that I went to is ten grand. So if in California you can just open up shop, what's the difference? For, so in California, I think to get your license it's kind of like an online like a food handler's card kind of thing but most people just do like a traditional apprenticeship so you gotta like hang out in the shop make friends do a bunch of grunt work before they teach you anything it's more involved in a longer process but there's also just a lot more opportunity for like abuse especially if you're like queer or a woman or anything that's other than a cis white man so that is one of the great things about tattoo school in Oregon like it does cost a lot of money but you get to bypass all of that and you kind of just get to start doing what you do right yeah what is your experience as like a, a woman and a queer person in in tattooing I haven't really experienced many issues with that I think I got kind of lucky just because my Instagram started kind of blowing up before I was actually like a licensed tattooer. So like as soon as I got licensed, I had no problem like doing guest spots in like other states and stuff. Every once in a while I hear comments or just people are surprised that I like tattoo or that look at my Instagram and be like, oh, like you're actually like a real tattooer, <laughs> um, not just a scratcher. There's been a couple of times where I've been to other states where I've met other female tattooers who are just like, oh, you would never be able to work out here because you did tattoo school. And I'm like, well, I'm here guesting at your shop. So that's just kind of weird. Weird of you to say, but other than that, I don't really have any issues with it. So there's sort of this thing of like, you have to have like earned your keep or something, or like you had to have like put in the time, like that's a low level. Scrubbed floors for, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wild. I don't know. Wild. Don't really believe in that. I'm like, you don't have to get hazed to like get into something. Right. It's very archaic, but. It's funny that like, oh, tattooing is a male dominated field when like, mm -hmm. I only want queer people and women to tattoo me yeah. like that's all <laughs> seriously but like all the you know I only like follow queer tattoo artists I think like this I was gonna ask like your social media blew up like how does that help you in this time you know to sort of bypass all that stuff I feel like a lot of the people that I follow are queer tattooists who like have big followings I mean I think a lot of that has changed like a ton so I started tattooing like five and a half years ago and even at that point pretty much all the shops in Portland were owned by a white male I think there was like one shop I knew that was owned by a woman but in those five years like there's so many female-owned shops and queer-owned shops and private studios so it's definitely with Instagram and having like this huge online platform and openness for that kind of stuff it has changed like a lot, like very, very quickly, which is cool. Cause yeah, I mean, even when I first started, I think part of why my art blew up was because there weren't a lot of queer artists doing queer, like erotica and romance and stuff like that. And now I see a lot more. So it's like, yeah, there used to be this niche that was not filled and now it's slowly 
filling up, which is really cool. <laughs> Can you talk a bit, a bit about the process of, of creating a tattoo with a client? So do most people come to you with a clear idea of what they want? How often do you just like come up with it for them? What does that normally look like? So it's a huge range because I do flash tattoos, which is just my own like pre-drawn stuff that I do in my free time. And then I do take on custom requests and it totally depends. Sometimes people will be like, oh, I want anything with two people kissing or they'll specify like what gender they want, um, things like that. Or sometimes people have like a very specific like, oh, I want somebody standing behind them with like brushing their hair back or something. So it totally ranges. Um, I probably do like 70 to 80 percent flash just stuff that I draw that people pick out the rest would be like custom projects they're not as fun I like tattooing all the random weird stuff that I come <laughs> but it is cool every once in a while I'll get like a really cool idea of something that I don't like wouldn't normally think of on my own so I like balancing between both yeah that's what I was gonna ask about your style like you mentioned briefly erotic romantic can you give me an example I would be hard-pressed to explain but I love your art can you give me an example of like what what is your style what are most of your tattoos <laughs> I like to call it tasteful pornography <laughs> Yup. because <laughs> yeah a lot of it is very erotic but my issue with a lot of the erotic art that I used to see like when I started tattooing was very like fetishy like from the cis perspective like oh two hot femmes making out and like where the art is coming from like when it's a dude a straight dude drawing it it doesn't hit the same I don't think the like romance is captured in the same way so yeah it's a lot of like illustrative romantic stuff and that's my favorite stuff to <laughs> stuff that, like, it's stuff that like I'm often surprised people have put on their arms or on their legs you know like super visible like what do you think the draw is to that to be like let's have this like real visible on my chest you know I mean I think a lot of people just find it liberating like I feel the same way because I have some visible kink tattoos on my body but also the more tattoos you get the less each stands out <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people just kind of plan on getting like a lot of tattoos I also like when I draw I try and frame it in a specific way or like do a very specific perspective that you can't really tell what it is like immediately from looking at it I can <laughs> if yeah. you know you know yeah, I know what it is yeah <laughs> not like an old grandma at the grocery store is just gonna be like what is that like I can't tell which is fun like I like that it's like the the longer you stare at it the better it gets <laughs> so like the so, sort of abstract but not um perspectives are really fun to work with that's why I don't do a lot of like full body scenes where it's just like, oh, very obviously just two whole mm -hmm. bodies. It's yeah, kind of cut up a little bit in a funky way. <laughs> what are your thoughts on asking people what their tattoos mean? Do you think that that's like an appropriate question to ask somebody or is it too personal? Oh, no, I <laughs> so personal and because it ranges. I and sometimes there is no meaning. Sometimes art is the meaning or my friend did this. That can be the meaning. I hate being asked <laughs> that question or just like how many tattoos do you have? I'm like, I don't know. I yeah. don't count. <laughs> just is. It's just I don't know, like putting accessories on. Mm hmm. Like, you don't ask somebody, like, what does that necklace mean? Or, like, what do those earrings mean? But it's kind of the same thing. When you were talking about the art being liberating, a lot of what you tattoo also is, like, 
specifically queer and also like specifically trans bodies, which I, I really love. Do you have a lot of like clients who are like, I want to put something about my gender and sexuality on my skin, on my body? And like, is that something that is like freeing to them? Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like most of my custom requests are people asking for basically stuff that I do, but they want it to look either like them or their partner or somebody that they're close to, which is really, really cool. I really like that. And just a lot of people approach me telling me that they feel like represented by my art because like you don't see a lot of that. And that's another issue with the like queer from the cis perspective is that there's like all these other groups of people who are just like completely missed. So yeah, that's like one of the parts that I really like about doing custom designs. It does make it a little bit more personal to like each person. And sometimes people have like a story behind it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't, but it's really cool. Do you feel like a responsibility where you're like, I don't know, I always wonder, because like I go in and I'm like, do what you got to do. But I know people come in with like a picture and they're like, this is what it has to be. Do you go like, look, it's, you know, I... I don't know. Like, I would be like, what if you mess up, the stakes are high. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty, like, communicative about designs before the appointment. Not all artists are. Some artists prefer to just show you, like, the day of. But because a lot of the stuff I do is, like, really personal and, like, related to, like, physical appearances and stuff, I usually send drawings before and we'll go back and forth. Like, oh, can you make hair just like a little bit longer a little bit curlier and we'll go over like all of those details every once in a while it's only happened like maybe twice in my career that somebody just wants something super specific and I'm not drawing it the right way I'll just have a conversation with them like maybe I'm not the best artist for this and I'll try and give them some suggestions for an artist who can do the specific style or whatever that they're looking for Because I feel like usually when that happens, it's more of just like a style issue. Like, oh, they want a certain kind of like textured line work that I don't do. But I try and offer people like another safe artist that I would trust to do that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about different styles and like single line and shading and like a color versus just using black ink. Like what are all the different ways that people have distinct styles? Uh, Well, color is a huge one. Like all tattoo inks are metal pigments suspended in some kind of like glycerin or liquid vehicle. So every color has a different texture and consistency. And you kind of have to adjust like your tattoo speed, your machine to effectively like get a color in. So that's like a whole other ball game when you start one doing color tattoos because it's very different from black ink. And then two, depending on what kind of color palette you use, um, that might change. For line weights, same thing. Depends on like the machine, how fast you can pull lines and just, yeah, thinner needles versus like thicker needles. It's kind of similar to drawing with like a Sharpie versus using like a very tiny like 0.3 mechanical pencil. But everybody is good at different stuff and all different types of like tattooing techniques have things that make them like harder or Mm -hmm. easier to do. Like using super, super tiny needles, obviously you have to have very sturdy hands. Any like tiny movement will cause blips. Um, It's easier to get clean straight lines with like a heavy machine, but then usually those machines are heavier. So it's like you have to have strong wrist muscles and yeah, so many different factors, but I like switching it up. I get bored really easily. So I've done like 
single needle designs for a while and then I'm like okay I'm gonna move on to like thicker needles and then change it up and I feel like that's why sometimes my Instagram isn't very cohesive. <laughs> I think it is. I recognize your work immediately when it comes up. Well, that's cool. I like hearing that. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, these don't, these are all crazy <laughs> and all over the place. But I just like to change the change of The world of tattoos, too, is so small. Like, I got a tattoo in um, L.A., I went to Nashville and this guy was tattooing me and he saw the one I got in L.A. and went, oh, is that Dane? Like every, mm-hmm. is that like, how's the community work like that? Does everybody, it's like, kind of like you all know each other. Oh, like yeah. what's the, what's the situation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, tender Brussels sprouts, right? Tender Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Yep. He's the homie. Yeah. He worked with us before he moved to LA. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> See, it's this. Anytime I get to, you all fucking yeah. know each other. <laughs> it is true. It feels so big. And then somebody says a name and I'm like, oh yeah, I've like met them. <laughs> like I know them. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, does that mean there's like more competition or is it just because of social media or like, what is it like when you like show up and you're doing a guest spot? I don't know. Like what's the... I mean, some people, and I feel like it's more old school tattooers who feel like it's competition, but I don't feel that way at all. Like I love seeing more like queer artists and artists doing like weird, cool stuff. Like I never feel like people are taking away like my business or anything also because with instagram you can see not just like a person's art style but like their personality the way their shop looks like all of that is part of the experience so i get a lot of people who will email me for a tattoo and don't even really have like a specific thing they want but they're like i like you and like who you are on the internet and i would love to get a tattoo from you or you seem really safe and comfortable. So that's like another reason why people get tattooed by me. So there's like so many reasons why people would get tattooed by any of us. And I think all of those are valuable. And I never feel like, oh, they did a drawing that's like kind of the same as mine. Like it doesn't bother me. I think it's cool. (laughs) What do you think about like the bedside manner of like doing this intimate experience with somebody? Like, do you chat with your customers while you're doing it? Are you too focused? Like, what is that interaction? I try and read people in the first like 10 minutes because I personally, I like talking. I am just like kind of a chatty person when I'm in the studio. Some people, it looks like they're getting stressed out if it's like a really painful spot. I'm like, okay, they, yeah, I'm just going to like hum to the music or just like do something else. Um, Or some people are just like really shy and I'm like, oh, I feel like me talking to them is putting them like on the spot. So I'll try and like tone it down a little bit. But some people love to talk. And sometimes that also helps people get through pain. So I spend a little bit of time chit-chatting in the beginning and just kind of sussing it out. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of also depends on the tattoo artist, too. Like, I I talk sometimes to them or others. It's like getting a haircut sometimes. You're like, oh, am I going to talk to the the person wants to talk or they don't want to talk. It's like, it is so intimate because you're like bleeding in front of them. And like, I definitely, I had one where I was like, it was by my elbow. So I was like screaming and the person was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm paying you just keep going. Yeah, that definitely happens. It's funny because I also have a lot of return clients. So I'll like tattoo somebody on their leg and I'm like, this is fine. We're all having a good time chit-chatting and then I'll do like their elbow ditch or something and they're just like do not talk and I'm like I understand (laughs) I got it yeah so can you talk a bit about the different parts of the body and different pain levels and like why that is different pain receptors different 
types of skin, like part of why the ribs are so sensitive is because the skin is so thin there, gets a lot of movement too. Usually parts on like your outer legs or outer arms are going to be a lot less sensitive also because they're weathered by the elements. You know, you lean them on tables, the skin gets thicker, but sometimes like the actual ends of your elbows are like really spicy because it's so thick. So to tattoo it, you have to like kind of be a little rough. It's crazy because like the human body is crazy. I've tattooed people in the ribs who don't really feel that pain, but then they'll freak out when I tattoo their legs um, and then vice versa. It varies from person to person and activity levels and what you do like habitually. Um, all of these have like different factors, even like being on your period while getting tattooed can make it more painful or being stressed or not having enough sleep or not eating before the tattoo. Um, all of those things can also have a huge effect on the way you receive that pain during an appointment. I have um, on my, whether, I don't know what part of the skin, this is like your for like your forearm? Yeah, forearm. Yeah, but inner I, forearm. <laughs> yeah, like I have on my inner forearm and then my hip. One of them hurt where it was like right below that threshold of like, if this hurt anymore, I'd be freaking out. But it's like, yeah, it was doable. So I'm like, yeah, tattoos aren't that bad. But then I hear about people getting it in other parts of their body and it sounds like a totally different experience. <laughs> yeah. It also depends on the person. Like I went with my partner and Mal was like screaming and then I had no reaction and Mal was like, are you a sociopath? Like, I was like, oh, I kind of like it. And they were like, I'm scared of you right now. <laughs> yeah, people's baseline pain thresholds are so, so different. Yeah. What do you think makes, I mean, this is a question that like, you know, obviously I feel that it's addicting and I have my own reasons why I like love getting tattooed. But like what, you know, in the history of time, I mean, people were tattooing way back you know, in the day with like stick and pokes and everything. Like, what do you think is like the human reason why people want to be tattooed or why it's always kind of been a thing? I mean, historically, it started out as very ceremonial. And I feel like it's the same way now. Um, I mean, we all celebrate different things and care about different things. So everybody's individual meaning and for each tattoo is very different. But I think it just stems in that, just kind of like a reclamation of the body and just kind of like looking how you want to look and the way it changes how you feel in your own skin is super important. I've talked about this on my Instagram before, but like I always hated my knees and like my legs and just like never used to wear shorts until I started getting tattoos. And now I want to wear shorts all the time. I'm like, yeah, check out all this cool art that I have on my legs. I feel like that's probably like the biggest reason and like meaning that people put it's just it changes the way people see themselves, which is cool. Yeah. And some people use it um, like if they have scars to like incorporate the scar into a tattoo. Have you done any of that or seen any of that? Yeah, I've done like a handful of tattoos over like self-harm scars. That one is usually like a really, really big deal for a lot of people. And even just like surgery scars, like they just don't want to have that be a centerpiece. So they'll get cool art over it. And then it's this like cohesive thing where it's tied to that memory or whatever also. So it's like a super intimate experience. And I like sharing that with people. It's like spiritual. You know, a lot of people use it to, like you said, like reclaim the body. And I imagine with your trans customers, that's probably a similar thing. I think like as someone who's non-binary, I have a tough time with what I look like. 
And like, I don't know what I look like. I don't know what I want to look like. Mm -hmm. And so like changing that feels like you have the power. Like if you're like, I'm just going to go get a tattoo and now I've changed something and similarly to dyeing my hair. I'm like, well, I've changed it. Now I'm a completely different person and everything's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel every time yeah. I get a tattoo. I feel a little yeah. different. Who was it's that other cool. person like, that didn't have that tattoo? Yeah, I don't even know. Right, yeah, just shed that skin completely. This is a whole new thing. <laughs> exactly. Now. And did you do the ones on your face? Uh no, my friend Crimer did. Um he did my neck tattoos also. You know it's funny, like my parents are like don't get a neck tattoo. If you get a neck tattoo, you're a pr- you're in prison or something else, whatever. That, <laughs> is that like the threshold barrier where you ta- when you tattoo your neck, your face or your hands, people are like, it's a pretty big deal. It's less of a deal in Portland because so <laughs> many people here have tattoos. And it's so funny because like nobody asks me questions or like, well, give me a second look here. But then I will travel and tattoo in a place that it's not so common and everybody will ask about my neck and face tattoos. My family also felt the same way. They're like, do yeah. not, you can do whatever, but do not get a neck or face tattoo. And it was like my first year of tattooing. I yep. got both tattooed and then I went home to visit for Christmas. and was just like, hey guys, surprisingly, my grandma liked it. And she was the one who was like the like strictest about it. But she was like, actually, <laughs> it looks really good. Blah, blah, blah. And, there, yeah, coming to terms with all the art that I have and that yeah. I do. Um, but it definitely is a big, like, it has changed how people perceive me in public. That I noticed instantly. In what sense? Walking into, like, walking into a restaurant and having somebody, like, help you or seat you, it's a lot quicker. As soon as I walk in the door, people notice. I feel like before, it was like, oh, just tiny, quiet Asian in the corner. <laughs> like, I would not be attended to as quickly. But now I walk in and everybody turns and I'm like, that's cool. I oh, like oh, that. that's awesome. Yeah, good for people who like having the attention, which I do. I'm like, yes, help me. <laughs> I also was sorry I saw like this funny thing where this per this guy's covered in tattoos, but then he's like, I moved somewhere cold and now I'm wearing long sleeves all the time and nobody knows I'm cool. <laughs> and I comment and I commented that I was like, tattoo your hands, coward. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. Also because it's cold in Portland most of the year. Right. So I got my arms covered and then I'd just be wearing like long sleeves all the time. And I'm like, nobody knows. Like nobody knows that I have a lot of tattoos. So I'm just like, fuck it. We'll get the neck tattooed. Get the face tattooed. <laughs> yeah. Now it's unavoidable. So it's kind of cool. It's a good talking point for sure. <laughs> Have you done any tattooing where you're changing a tattoo they already had into something new? Like when someone is like, I don't, this is my ex's name. I don't want this anymore. Like, how do we change this into something else? That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually people will just pick like a flash or kind of have like a loose idea and I'll just draw it so that like there's a big section of like black fill or something that can cover it. But those are actually like super special. I don't do them often, but people are like extra, extra ecstatic after like a cover up tattoo. And it's usually because it's like people have something that they hate to see. Right. (laughs) So to have something even better over it is like even better than just not having anything there and putting something new on. It like takes away the bad memory or whatever of the other thing. (laughs) So it's super cool. Are they covering names mostly? (laughs) Most most of the ones that I've done are names. That's like a big no-no. You are not supposed to get anyone's name tattooed on you. It's the kiss of death. Yeah. Unless it's like a relative or something. Yeah. But even then, 
like just get some art that like makes you think of that person then you could just explain it away yeah I was gonna ask have you ever advised against a certain tattoo I have and usually it's because it involves like a name (laughs) I'm like oh we could do this drawing but like maybe like don't add their name underneath or something yeah usually that's like pretty much it otherwise it's like they want something with like a super tiny face like on their ribs and I'll advise against it because that spot moves a lot so it will change like with your body a lot more than other placements but other than that usually I'm down for whatever. My sister has her own name tattooed on her back. And I was like, that's a solid bet. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, weren't they thinking of changing their name? Yeah, my sister is. Yeah, not so solid. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's in Hebrew. So I think it's okay. I was just like, so what you love the most is you. And you know what? <laughs> that makes sense. I feel that oh way. Anyway. So yeah, how do tattoos change over time? On the skin. Yeah. yeah. On certain parts of the body, they change more than others. Like as your as your skin gets older, like what does that look like? Like the older you get, the more the layers of your skin compress. And that's why like no matter what, all lines will get a little bit thicker. Sun damage, being exposed to elements will also like fade tattoos um, a little bit. Or if you tan over it, it's going to change the colors um, because it's just metal metal pigments under the surface of the skin. So whatever skin tone you are, it's just going to be stretched over the tattoo. Also, different inks have different levels of like photoreactivity. So like red inks, pink, yellow, orange, those are the most like sun reactive. That's also why sometimes people have tattoos that will be fine for like years and then one day it'll be itchy or like raised. Yeah. Why is that? It's sometimes sun reaction. Sometimes it's just like your immune system is like a tiny bit weakened. And so you're having like a very mild, like allergic reaction. But all of those things affect how the tattoos look over time and where you get them. Like, again, the ribs, it's like so thin. It gets like so much movement. It's just more prone to like bleeding compared to like the outer calf. It's not really going to like move as much. But just accepting that it will change with time versus like expecting it to be exactly the same 40 years later. Yeah, it is like known and expected. And I feel like people should kind of just embrace that. I know a lot of people kind of freak out of like, oh, what is this tattoo going to look in 20 years or whatever? And I'm like, whatever it looks like, it's just part of your body now. Like, Mm -hmm. just be cool. Um, Same thing with colors. Like sometimes, you know, people are, not happy that the colors of their tattoo are not as bright as like the first day or year that they got it. But I kind of like that. I kind of like having tattoos be a stamp of like, oh, when you got it and how much I've grown since then. That's kind of cool. I mean, I have like tattoos on my knees that have like holes missing because I skateboard and have like scraped my knees. And I'm like, it's kind of cool. Like, I guess I could touch it up and like fix everything to be perfect. But I kind of like that it's imperfect. So that really touched me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So the colors like when it gets raised for no reason or whatever, it's because certain inks are like, how is this working? How is this staying in our skin? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, if it's done properly, it's just little pieces of metal that are injected essentially underneath um, between layers of the skin. So, yeah, different colors will age differently. Pastel inks have a lot of white ink in them. 
So usually those will change the most because they're so bright. But how is the tattoo? It's it's staying in our skin because it's little bits of metal. It's just under the right two layers, wow. which I don't remember the names of the layers right now. So don't quiz me on that. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just like have so many and I'm like, how? What an achievement of like art and science, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you tattoo too close to the surface, eventually your skin will shed. Oh. Um, and then that can actually just like completely like flake off. Um, if you tattoo too deep, It'll basically just be suspended in like that open space of like liquid, and that's how you get blowouts. Oh. So people will have marks that look kind of like bruises around the tattoo. It'll be like a little bit hazy, and that's just because it's like free floating metal pigments that aren't stuck in between those layers. Not supposed to tattoo that deep, but it does happen. Does it stay looking like that forever or does it like resolve itself? It will stay looking like that oh, forever. Wow. I have heard that you can get like tattoo laser removal and just like remove the hazes if you kind of if you get it like around your tattoo, but I don't know if that's true. I have never had laser removal, so I don't actually know. Oh, that's so wild. So when they say like those tattoos, well they'll be like, This will only last a year or two. Those are the ones that are just more shallow on the skin. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot with palm tattoos. A, a lot of people talk about how palm tattoos. So like in order to properly do a palm tattoo, you do have to go extra deep and get that kind of haze and like blow it out just because also the skin on the palm sheds like a lot quicker than other parts of the body because you're touching things all the time. The one I have here faded a lot. The the heart on my hand faded a lot because it's mm-hmm. that's like out the most. And washing your hands. And it's red ink, which I think falls out really it, easily. It fades a little bit quicker for sure. What about like white ink or like glow in the dark UV stuff? Is that bad for you? I don't know. There's not enough science. I don't think anybody actually knows like long-term effects of having like UV ink in your body. White ink is fine. It's the same like chemical composition as like any other ink. They're kind of cool. The white ink, I I love it. I like them. This one glows in a black light. And I was like, (laughs) he didn't even tell me that really. And then afterwards he was like, look, (laughs) and he showed it. And I was like, oh "Oh my God. Cool. There are some inks that are not intentionally UV reactive. They're just like hyperpigmented, like really Mm -hmm. bright colors. So there's this one ink that I was using for a while and it's called Japanese pink. And it's just kind of like that Sakura, like anime pink color. And I didn't know until like a couple months later that it was UV reactive because a client I did said that she went bowling and they did like the black light and her tattoo like lit up and I was like oh well now I know that's cool she's like this drawing I got of uh, someone eating someone out is blown up on my back at bowling the people at bowling didn't need to see yeah. this yeah. just, a, so just funny. a blow in the dark dick on my back thanks bowling <laughs> Yeah. How often is it that someone only has one tattoo? Do most people, if you have one, get more than one? I would say, yeah, I have done like a lot of people's first tattoos, though, which is always nerve wracking. It's it's super, super sweet. It's better now because pre pandemic, sometimes people would bring in their parents or like grandma or something and then I'd be like freaking out because they're asking me like oh did you go to art school like how long have you been doing this for I'm like I don't know I'm nervous it's my first day oh god (laughs) no but it's like it's super 
heartwarming, honestly. Just like, oh, you're trusting me with your first tattoo experience. Time to set yeah. the bar really yeah. high. <laughs> well, a lot of my first tattoos were just like walk into a place, some like, you know. You can only have one first tattoo, Gabby. I know, but I'm saying like I, I didn't start yeah. picking yeah. artists that I really enjoyed and like picking queer artists f- for a while in. Mostly I would just like walk into a place and be like, I don't know, that key or whatever. But like it's been really satisfying to search out mm-hmm. artists who make stuff that I believe in, who are, you know, queer like me or gender nonconforming like me. And I think a lot of people go into their first tattoo and they're like, just go to some, you know, some some place mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, people are, that are tattoo shops are mean or like, you know, the guy that I got this from hated me and was like, this is stupid. Your Minnie Mouse tattoo is stupid. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that has to be your experience. Which, which I love. And that's part of why, like, I hate Instagram for many reasons. But I also love it because it helps people, like, find artists like that. Because all my first tattoos, when I was in California, they were all just like, oh, I'm scared in the shop. And just like a bunch of like biker dudes you know like not really talking to me like it was very uncomfortable and I think that's also part of why I didn't have a lot of tattoos until I moved to Portland and just like could see all these really queer artists doing cool stuff on the internet and I'm like also I would love to meet that person like that person seems really cool would you like to play a game show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you and Gabby are going to be my contestants. The game is called Hypotheticals. I give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have. And then you tell me what you would do in that situation. Are you just so excited? So excited. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of 13 years owns a local restaurant that is always on the brink of having to shut down. One day, a customer hits on your partner, and when they don't reciprocate, the customer threatens to leave an awful Yelp review about a hostile environment. Worried that this will mean the end of their restaurant, your partner passionately kisses the customer in public and loudly announces that they would love to run away with the customer, but unfortunately they are married and can't leave their family. Their declaration goes viral on the internet. Oh my God, there's so many moving parts. (laughs) Why is so much more happening? I'm like ready to answer and then something else happens. Like, okay, wait, I gotta think about this. This is the final piece that the declaration goes viral on the internet because everyone thinks it's real. Would you stay with this cheater? That is sexual exploitation. That person is assaulting my partner. And also... Like, you can't just go into places and say, if you don't give me a good Yelp review, if you don't kiss me, I'll give you a bad Yelp review. Because listen, then I would have then I would have shut down the bagel shop near my old apartment because there was a really hot person who worked there. <laughs> and I would call them and I would every day be like tweeting about bagel shop Butch, who I loved. And then my friend Jen, <laughs> my friend Jen, who's a trader went to that bagel shop and was like, showed my fucking tweets to bagel shop, Butch. <gasps> in an effort, in an no. effort to help. Oh, damn. <laughs> now I can't ever go there again, which was fine because they held an event. The real twist is then the bagel shop held an event for the cops. And I was like, good, I'm never going back there anyway. Oh yeah. So a lot of twists and turns in this bagel story. Oh, exit. 
either way, I'm going to say that I would stay and that we should press charges against this other person. Press charges? You can't press <laughs> charges. Yes! For blackmail! Well, they didn't know that your partner was going to react that way. Did they think that their declaration of love was real? The customer? Yeah. Like, can they sue for false advertising? or? <laughs> We're getting litigious over here. Yeah, very litigious. All, publi- all publicity... <laughs> is good publicity right i'll just we can just sit at home and laugh about this whole viral thing later but then everyone in your life thinks that your partner doesn't love you and is staying out of obligation yeah that is rough (laughs) i mean people think all kinds of stuff about my life already and i'm just like (laughs) why is the restaurant now doing really well really well okay i'll stay (laughs) i mean yeah building an empire together you know it's fine. I can forget about I the love other the, stuff. I love the open-mindedness. If there's one thing hypotheticals teaches you, it's money first. <laughs> Honestly, though, how often are you like, this person did this? And I'm like, are they wealthy? <laughs> yeah. How much do we get out of it? Like, can we buy a yacht? Or... Thank you. Yeah. You're asking the right questions, which is how have we monetized this? <laughs> how rich am yeah. I now? And then it's fine. Doesn't exactly. hurt anymore. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Okay, our next game. Is this a date? You are at a laundromat on a Friday night when you start chatting with another customer. You both realize you only have a few whites to wash. So instead of wasting water, the other person suggests washing your combined whites in one load. Is this a date? Yes, that is wholesome. I like that. That's cute. Well, it depends. I would ask them out after. And if they say no, then it was not a date. <laughs> Are my whites like really dirty? Like, is it embarrassing? No, they're they're regular soil level. Okay. Like this is crucial <laughs> to my Cause answer. I would be because I would be like, no, I don't think we should wash them together. I'm like there to wash diarrhea out of my underwear. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you know what? I'm just gonna use my own. No longer a meat cube. <laughs> it's a meat poop. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyways, that's my cue. Have a good time, you guys. Okay, oh so God. we've decided definitely a date, super romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. game are you a terrible parent your child 18 has gotten into the habit of watching really scary movies right before bed and then not being able to sleep they're 18 so you don't feel comfortable telling them not to watch something so instead you pretend there is a power and internet outage due to a local fire you live without power or internet for three days so they kick the habit and get some sleep are you a terrible parent no, I think that's actually ingenious. Wait, <laughs> they they don't bother to check if there's a fire or that anybody else has internet or TV? No, they, they don't really research. They're just like looking at the neighbors across the street. They're like, wait a second. Be- because I walk past my neighbors. I see them watching TV. You live in a really rural area. And so there isn't anybody for a mile. Wow. That is a scary place to watch a scary movie. Although I will say, people think cabins are where scary things happen, but the suburbs is actually much more terrifying. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's the thought that counts. I would appreciate it. As the 18-year-old, I might be upset for a second, but... Put it into perspective, right? It's a nice thing to do. Does nobody nobody have a job? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just at home watching my kid watch scary movies. I think you're a good parent. I mean, talk about a sacrifice. 
Three days. I'm just on the iPad yeah. in my bathtub. <laughs> just watching it. Going over the neighbors, you're like in the backyard, like, can I charge my phone? Yeah, I'm in, yeah, I'm in their yard getting their Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so final verdict. Excellent parent but you got to figure out a way for them not to just use a cell data to, to stream it. Oh, you're right. You're right. You have to say that you've used up the plan, that they've hit the max. <laughs> I threw your phone into the fire. It didn't help. It didn't help, but I tried. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you, follow you, and hire you to do their beautiful tattoos? Instagram. At blubbod underscore one because my account got deleted. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, because yeah. of porn. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Over the God. summer, they changed the uh, the rules, the community guidelines. So also drawings that have any sexual activity could be reported. So immediately, my account got nixed. <laughs> but I still do it. So whatever, it's fine. <laughs> oh, it's artwork! Yeah. How dare yeah. you! That's so wild. We're so afraid of the wrong things in America. Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about democracy. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 baby. Baby. So I picked a controversial topic today. Democracy. What does democracy mean to you, Gabby Dunn? It seems like a scam to me now because I feel like we say that we are one and America like puts ourselves forward as like we are democracy. And then it's like in practice, not so much. Mm-hmm. So, but what would you define it as? Like a place where the where the needs of the people are heard and met. And so all of the stuff that happens is like for the betterment of the people because they run the government. And guess what? This is not that. <laughs> and guess what happens when you try to have that? Everyone goes, this is communism. <laughs> so according to, I, I did a little, some brief research for this topic. Because it is this thing that we we throw this term around a lot, but it's like, what does it actually mean? And so this expert on democracy, Larry Diamond, in a lecture entitled, What is Democracy? This is his overview. Okay, good. He said there are four key elements. One, a system for choosing and replacing the government through free and fair elections. Doesn't happen here. We don't have fair elections. Uh, We have gerrymandering. We have issues with voting rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tons of people are unable to to vote. They have their rights taken away. Mm -hmm. Not fair. Two, active participation of the people as citizens in politics and civic life. Okay. I would say Eh. kind of, but also a lot of protesters get thrown in jail, get shot at. Yeah. Not safe to participate in in protesting despite it being legal. Not only that, but we're not given time off work to when you try to protest at your work or unionize, you're fired or your union is blocked. So even less so uh, there's no transportation or child care for people to do activism. So there's not even time off to vote. Yeah, no time off to vote. Not a national holiday. I'm honestly I'm going to give us a, a two a two point four out of five on this one. <laughs> OK, number three. Protection of the human rights of all citizens. 
No. No. Nope. Zero. Zero out of five. <laughs> Zero out of five. Can you give some specifics for that? Uh, no universal health care. Mm-hmm. No housing. Mm-hmm. No, you know, subsidized mental health care. I don't know. I'm just spitballing because I'm not a dog who's vice president. So I don't know everything. <laughs> I'd say restricting access to abortion. Big issue. That's not protecting yep. the human rights of people. Okay. And finally, number four. A rule of law in which the laws and procedures apply equally to all citizens. No. Zero out of five. No. Zero out of five. Yeah. Okay. Can I say that this sounds like you're doing a stand-up routine? Like all of it's a joke? <laughs> I wish it was a joke. <laughs> you tell them, Melissa. You tell them. Ugh. No, I mean like America as a whole is a joke. No, right? no, no. I know. So then what what are we? Wait, people were saying I remember what people were saying we were during a kleptocracy. What's that? Yeah. When we were under Trump, people were talking about the U.S. being a kleptocracy, which is a government whose corrupt leaders use political power to appropriate the wealth of their nation, typically by embezzling or misappropriating government funds. So I thought that that was a really good example of America. And I guess it's a Russian model of government. Seems right. Yeah. I think that we were also defined once as an oligarchy, which is a power structure where a small group of people have control over the country, uh, and that would be billionaires. Well, so there's also multiple variants of democracy. There's a variant called representative democracy, in which the whole body of all eligible citizens remain the sovereign power but political power is exercised indirectly through elected representatives versus direct democracy, where all citizens of a country are given direct and active participation in the decision-making process of their countries. Ah, So we give these few people power and then they exercise it. Uh, not great. <laughs> Basically, all of this is because this country is founded on white supremacy. Like, we can talk a good game about democracy. Lin-Manuel Miranda can make a million more Hamiltons. And let me tell you, the whole thing is founded on slavery. The whole thing is founded on stealing land from Native Americans. The entire American experiment is like soaked in colonialism. And did we even start with a democracy? You know what I mean? Like, did we even? I don't know. Is that a myth? Probably. Welcome to my Air America conspiracy show from 2001. We started with a democracy that only applied to white men, right? Yep. People have bought into the idea that we are a democracy, but the right that but the fundamental rights of what a democracy actually means never extended to everybody from the very beginning. And so it's an inherently flawed system. Even just the basic voting stuff is being rapidly take it away more than ever, like not more than ever, because obviously it took forever for women to even be able to vote for black people to be able to vote. Like, but if you can't vote freely, which I would argue you cannot do in America, how are we a democracy? Yep. Right. Yeah. That's a really good question. And we have the audacity to talk about other countries mm -hmm. and be like, they're run by terrorist organizations. People can't vote. Let me ask you a question. Have you taken a look in the mirror? One and two, have you ever visited the Netherlands? The answer is no to either one. But also we did a whole thing on Bad With Money where people talk a lot about like, you know, the Netherlands and Scandinavian countries and stuff of, of being like these utopias of democracy when they are also fairly racist. 
and mm-hmm. like a democracy for who? So then it's like you break it all down and you're like, it's anywhere you go, you're like democracy and it's like just for white people and you're like, okay. And then you open it again, you're like democracy now? And they're like, no, just for white people. And you're like, okay, sorry. It's a word that that kind of means nothing right now. But I also think that people have bought into the idea that America is this just democracy. And when you have this idea, then it's so much harder for people to see the flaws in the system and to realize that it isn't because they've been peddled this messaging since they were in elementary school. This is what I'm so curious about. If you believe in democracy and fairness and you believe in meritocracy and everyone's equal and whatever, but you believe it in this way that's like, I got to pull myself up my bootstraps. Everyone who has problems, it's their own problem. But then you are low income and you are not at the level you want to be at to be able to like take care of your family or whatever. You say to everyone else, oh, it's your fault. But then when it happens to you, you're like, this is the fault of immigrants. So what is the truth? Yeah. The problem is, is that if we've had a true democracy and people could truly like everyone had their opinion counted, I don't even think people have good opinions. (laughs) they don't vote in their own interest anyway yeah so everyone has a bad opinion melissa you want to share your thoughts agree 100 percent. both of you great job (laughs) thank you this is something that angers me to my core i just i actually was talking to my friend earlier and i was just talking about how i kind of stopped posting and talking about a lot of political things just because I'm tired. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of nothing really changing. It just feels like you're fighting an uphill battle. And, you know, I'm not, like, completely just, like, fuck it. Who cares? Because I don't think anything gets done, but I just need, like, a mental break from it for now because it's just hard. It's like, can anything even really change? That's true. Yeah. It's just frustrating because this myth of democracy is so deeply ingrained in our country. It's taught to us. We're taught that America is the land of hope and opportunity and everyone gets a fair chance at everything. Like that's what we're taught in school. Mm -hmm. And that has never been the case. It's, It's just a bunch of lies. And that's part of the problem too, is that we're just taught a bunch of lies to begin with. And that's not part of the democracy at all. Right. It's so much to unpack. Not only do we have to like fix the systems that are broken. We also have to convince people that they're broken in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's well put. Well, what do we rate this episode? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I rate it 14 out of 13 tattoos. Very creative. I'll rate it 31 out of 27 friends with your ex's friends. I don't know. Friends with your ex? I don't know. (laughs) I'll just build upon that and just say, I'll change it up a little bit. I'll give five golden stars for not only being friends with your exes, but being friends with your ex's partner. Yes. Because it can happen. I would love to be better friends with some of my ex's partners, but I think that I think they're like, no, thank you. A, a six feet apart is enough. <laughs> and I get it. Thank you so much to Brittany Abad for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production. Hosted by me, Allison Raskin. 
and me, Gabby Dunn, produced by Melissa D. Motz, edited by Coco Lorenz, executive produced by Brent Bohm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brent and Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash show. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, at Allison Raskin, at Gabby Road, and at She Is Not Melissa on Instagram. Bye! Bye! Forever! Dog!